I'm putting love on the radio, spreading joy everywhere I go. There's no way to hide my hope. Oh, no, this little light of mine. Hey, I'm gonna let it shine. Telling the world to save my soul. The only way I know with love on the radio. Hello, everybody. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, or wherever you're listening to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. It's great to have you join me back after a beautiful fall break. Hopefully, you were able to go outside with your family, maybe pick some pumpkins, visit your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever you were visiting over the break. Hopefully, you had a wonderful time. I sure did. I got to go home, got to pick some pumpkins with my girlfriend. We got some apple cider. We supported a local farm. It was a good time, and hopefully you had a great time as well. Today's show, we got a lot of different stuff that we're going to be talking about, including a testimony from myself. Now, this is going to be the first time I've actually tried to coherently state my testimony, and I think I'm going to I'm going to do an okay job, I hope. Hopefully, I'll give it justice. But I had a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, reach out to me, actually, over the break, and he was like, hey, we've, I've heard all of these different people's testimonies on your show, but I have yet to hear yours. And that made me think. I was like, well, why haven't I done mine? So I'm going to be doing that in the second half of the show, so you don't want to miss that. Plus, a whole lot of good news today. Uh, you know... The news every morning, you wake up, you turn on, maybe you turn on, I don't know, Good Morning America, you turn on Fox and Friends, I don't know what what you turn on, or maybe you don't turn on the TV at all, but oftentimes it's a lot of negativity about what's happening right now in the Biden administration, what's happening with the coronavirus, the vaccine mandates, and all of this stuff can start whirling around in your head, and sooner or later you wake up in the morning and you go off to work, and your joy has already been stolen, you're on the wrong footing, and so what I'd like to do and what we like to do every day on the show is share some good news anywhere we can find it from uh, local areas from national stories all around i found three of them today because i think we need extra good news especially after the long break so we're going to talk about three different good news stories coming up plus a whole lot more i'm ryan young and this is the ryan young show live right now on radio free hillsdale 101.7 fm hey guess what day it is Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? Woo-hoo! All right, so it's October 26, 2021. It's a Tuesday, but it's also National Pumpkin Day. So like I said, over the over the break, if you haven't gotten your pumpkins yet, today is National Pumpkin Day. Today would be a great day to maybe go out and get your pumpkins. Maybe if you like those fancy frou-frou drinks, they have those, I don't know, pumpkin lattes, sugar spice, caramel drizzle. I don't even know what it's all called, but you could probably get something with pumpkin today. And it was reminding me about Thanksgiving when you have the family over, you have everybody at your house maybe, or you maybe you go somewhere. I've had all sorts of different Thanksgivings where we actually one year, if you can believe this, my mom's going to be so mad at me for saying this, but one year we just weren't up for cooking. And so we decided we wanted to go to the movies and guess what we ate before we went to the movies. We had McDonald's on Thanksgiving. Talk about a crazy American Thanksgiving. And I know if my mom hears this episode, she's going to be very mad at me for sharing that because my mom makes the most fantastic, spectacular Thanksgiving that I think 
anyone could ever have. I mean, she makes everything from the stuffing to the turkey to uh, green bean casserole. And then my dad makes sweet potatoes with the marshmallows over the top. And then oftentimes we'll make a pumpkin pie and also a pecan pie and sometimes even an apple pie if we're really crazy and we want to spend the whole day in the kitchen and all night cleaning up. So I don't know. Today's National Pumpkin Day. Do with that what you will. You might have some fun. If not, well, then I don't know if you don't like pumpkin Make an apple pie. Do something that will continue to bring joy into your life every single day. And that's actually a lot about what I want to talk about today. What distinguishes us from the rest of the world? How can we have that joy, that peace, that love that only Jesus can provide that is so noticeable to those that aren't Christians that when they walk past you, they say, wow, I want to have what that guy's got. I want to have what that girl's got. They have something going on that is always just something unique. They're filled with joy. They're filled with peace. They're not allowing the worries of the world to overwhelm them. They're not anxious. They're not stressed. And that's what I want to talk about in these remaining couple of minutes in the opening before we get into some good news stories. Why I decided I want to discuss this today is because last night I was in a study session and I was studying for a midterm that I'm actually going to be taking on Wednesday. I also have a midterm today, so it's been a it's already been a pretty crazy week, easy to get overwhelmed. As I was in this study session, no fault to anyone that was there. I don't want to point fingers or call anyone out. Obviously not. That's not my role. And we're going to read actually in Matthew in a little bit. But what I found is a lot of people here at the school, a lot of people really all across the country, I don't think it's an exclusive issue to any specific location, really all around the world, they're suffering and you can see their inner turmoil. They're overwhelmed easily by a test, easily overwhelmed by anxiety and stress and fear, and they have to go to therapy. And maybe they're coping with medications and prescriptions or whatever it is. I just... It was easy to tell that a lot of people are going through a lot of different things right now. And the question that always comes back into my mind is if you're going through a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear maybe in your life right now, how are you going to be able to really exit your own self, your own, your own absorption into your own problems and address the needs of those around you? And that's where I want to start. I'm going to read in Matthew 7. I think it, it's a powerful passage that we can think about as what God has called us to be like as Christians and, and, and to test the fruits and to see. So I'm going to be reading in Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? And there we, we see right here that if you ask, the door will be opened. If you seek, the, and, and Jesus is knocking at it, he, he will open the door, he will come upon you, and he will give you godly gifts. And that includes when you're overwhelmed with fear and anxiety and stressed out over a test, you can ask God for help in that moment and say, God, I am overwhelmed. I've got a lot going on right now. And I just, I, I need your help to get through this. And I wanted to start there. And then let's go to Matthew seven thirteen. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. 
Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And this passage can be frightening for a lot of people. It has been in my life to think that we might think that we know of God. We know all about him. We, we even maybe perform miracles in his name, but that at the end days, there's a possibility that God will respond by saying, depart from me for I never knew you. And I want to examine both the, the narrow and wide gate passage as well as the tree and its fruit. And I think we, we can gain a lot from it. To start, I think the Christian church that we live in here in America focuses on getting you through the narrow gate, but dismisses the second part of that passage, which I think is equally important, if not more important. There are many, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So you can enter through the gate, which is narrow, but then the path as well is narrow. So it's not like once you're saved, you say these magic words, it's now all of a sudden you're, you're a Christian. Like that, that's something that we always see. I, I want to be clear, saying a prayer once doesn't make you saved. Saying these magic words that, that the church today in the United States and really in other countries as well, they, they, they pray a prayer that says that you need to confess of your sins and all of those things. And that's a good prayer to pray. I'm not dismissing it. But until there's the repentance in one's heart and a daily repentance and believing every single day and growing in one's faith, walking not only through the narrow gate, but continuing on down the narrow path, there will be no good fruit that bears from your tree. And that gets us into the discussion of the tree and its fruit about bearing false prophets in all of these different areas. And I'm going to try to slow down so we can address some of this. And I want to remind you, if you're listening right now, if you have your Bible or whatnot, I am not the authority over the Bible. Always go to God for any questions that you have about the Word of God. I'm, I'm human. I'm fallible. I make mistakes. I'm doing my best to interpret the Word of God. But as we see here, beware of the fa- false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. We see here that when I, when I speak about the Word of God, I answer to God, and I, I put myself at a higher risk, a higher jeopardy when it comes to when eternity, when I go to heaven, I, I will have to answer for what I spoke about the word of God. So I'm doing my be- very best to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through this show. And, and as I read the scripture here, so we see that once you enter through this narrow gate and, and there's, a, there's a path that you have to walk. And today we see a lot of Christians are self-proclaimed Christians. I, I would say a majority of Americans, I'd say probably more than 70% profess to being Christians Yet God tells us here that we know we can know them by their fruits. Matthew seven twenty. So then you will know them by their fruits. So if we talk to, talk like the world, walk like the world, 
are we in fact Christians? Yes, you maybe prayed that prayer once, but if you're not leaving, living a God-filled life, repenting of the sins and growing in your faith, are you in fact saved? And I know this, this sounds harsh, this sounds strict, and it's something that I don't think a lot of Christians in America especially want to talk about. And the reason why I'm talking about it is because it goes back to what I was talking about when it came to studying in that study session for the final. The, the stuff that we were talking about and the people were talking about in that study session, everyone in that room pretty much, I'm pretty sure, proclaimed to be Christians. Yet what, what I ended up hearing, what, what was ending up being talked about over what really what we needed to be talking about for the final was gossip, uh, sexual stuff, all sorts of stuff that if we proclaim to be a Christian, the word of God is clear. We are not to be speaking this way. We are not to be walking this way. We are not to be acting this way. And I'm not trying to come across as a legalistic person. And that's what always gets thrown at someone when they speak up against specific things. But merely I recognize what the word of God says. And it doesn't mean that we're not fallible. It doesn't mean that we're not going to continue to make mistakes as Christians. Nowhere in the Bible does it say once you become a Christian, you're sinless. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you're never going to say a bad thing or talk about bad things or think bad thoughts. I'm not saying that. It's our very nature. The very nature of our flesh is to desire those things that are evil. But scripture's also clear that we will know them by their fruits. And the fruit is what we talk about, what, how we dress, how we walk, how we go about each day. Because you see, if every person that, that proclaims to be a Christian was in fact saved, what, where in Matthew 7 when it says, not all those that come to me will enter into the kingdom of heaven? Why would, why would God, Jesus say in Matthew 7, 23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. If everyone that proclaimed to be a Christian was in fact saved, he would never have written this passage for us to examine. I want to draw the attention to the word lawlessness, those who practice lawlessness. So what gets thrown at people when they say, hey, I don't want to swear, I don't want to do these things because it's not of God. Well, you're being legalistic, you know. You, you, you really are being like legalistic, somewhat like the Pharisees. And there is truth to that at a certain level. But look at what Jesus says, those of you who practice lawlessness. That means that God, Jesus didn't die on the cross to completely eradicate the law. No, he came to fulfill the law so that we realize that there is a price to be paid for our sins and for breaking the law. And that price was Jesus's blood dying on a cross. And so we are called to, in fact, live a life changed, trying to obey the very law, trying to bear fruits of goodness and righteousness. And I want to ask a question. Do you think the American church that, that we grow up in that's all around us is practicing and bearing good fruits? Because what if I told you that inside the American church today, there's just as much divorce, just as much abortion, just as much immorality as those that profess to not being Christians, as those that profess to be Christians? Is that bearing the fruit that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 7? 
Because you realize a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Matthew 7, 18. And so I ask you, if you've truly been transformed by Jesus, you have no option but to bear good fruit. Yes, you'll stumble, you'll make mistakes, but God will discipline those that he loves. And if you are truly his, he will not allow you to continue living in sin. He will reprimand you. He will expose the sin that lives within your heart and he will convict you of that. And every day I find myself being convicted. I want to be clear here. I'm not a perfect person at all. If you know me, you know that. I get angry and hostile at people. I have buttons that get pushed very quickly. I put on a false bravado sometimes because when I, I feel uncomfortable, I have to kind of just put on this, this kind of wall of protection so that way no one can come in and, and hurt me. I've been spending a lot of time trying to bear, tear that down. But we will know them by their fruits. And so... I see here a lot of times in America, and it gets me angry, we, we go to church and we hear these lovely, fluffy, airy, yay, hurrah messages in church, but rarely do we hear the convicting messages that those many people sitting in that very church have yet to actually be saved, have yet to actually live a transformed life. And the way my dad pictures it, and I think many people have, have made this comparison, Jesus came, you were in prison, he unlocked the gate, opened the door, and you decided to stay in that prison with the gate wide open. You didn't live a transformed life. You were happy being in there. You got three meals a day. You had a bathroom and a hard bed to lie down on and you were fine just staying in that state of suffering. You see, how are we supposed to be effectual in our faith and in our life if we go about living the exact same way as those that are not Christians? A non-Christian looks over at a so-called Christian, a whole group of Christians. They go to a youth group, a high school, and they see all these people that say they're Christians, but yet they're filled with anxiety and fear and worry. They're just as caught up in um, sexual immorality. They're just as caught up in all sorts of different stuff. Their parents are getting divorces. It's, there's no obvious difference in their life than that of the non-Christian. Why would a non-Christian want to go through it then? I mean, we're not here to just mess around and, and, and use this as, hey, you know, Monopoly game. I got my get out of free jail card. I, I now can keep going around. I can collect my 200 and just continue down the life and praise Jesus because he forgave me. He set me free and I don't have to now worry about the consequence of my sins. The majority of people in this country live that way. I have lived that way for many years of my life. but it's clearly not what Jesus is saying. It's clearly not what Jesus wants for us to do. The modern church today in America proclaims that Jesus is love. God is love. He, he's not desiring to hurt anyone's feelings. He would never get angry. He loves you as you are, no matter who you are, no matter if you're living in sin. No, this is not correct. This is not what biblical Christianity is. You see, today, most people understand Christianity as that of what is on a Christian t-shirt. That is what is written in mainstream Christian music artists' songs. 
That's how you determine what God is today. The media, a cute, funny phrase, a silly Instagram post, a a funny little meme that describes that Jesus is all love. God is just love. Yes, God is all love, but he also is angry. He also is wrath. And there is some price to be paid for the sin. He hates sin. Yes, I can say it very clearly here. God hates sin. God can hate. He hates evil. If you don't believe me, well, think about the price that was paid for our sin already. God, you see, someone had to die for our sins. God's wrath was shown in a very significant way. He killed his only son. Now tell me that that is a God that, that the modern church says is all fluffy and lovey and airy. No, there is a wrath. Our God is a God of wrath. He also is a God of love. He is not willing that any should perish, but all shall have eternal life. And the way we know that is because he sacrificed his only son to take the price, take the place for you and for me and for everyone around you. So we have a choice today. We can either bear good fruits, truly live a repented life, Truly accept the fact that we are Christians, not just in name, but also in deed. And we can go forth bearing good fruit, entering through that narrow gate, and not only just entering through the narrow gate and entering back onto the highway of of mainstream life and sexual immorality and all the rest of it. No, we can enter through that narrow gate and we can continue down the narrow path. And there'll be difficulties, there'll be hardships, there'll be triumphs, there'll be so much But through it all, Jesus will be walking side by side, hand in hand, carrying you as you go through the trials of life and the joy of life. And I promise you, your life will be so much more blessed, so much more filled, so much more fulfilled, and you will make a greater impact of those around you. And the non-Christians in this world will see you as a child of God, see the love and the Holy Spirit and the light shining through you, and they will want what you so desperately have and that you desperately rely on. And that is my prayer for you today. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. We'll be coming back with my own testimony. I'm going to try to share it, plus some good news. Welcome back to the Ryan Young Show. I'm Ryan Young, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Welcome back. We've got some good news, like I promised. These are some really cool stories. So, you know, those those runners that we got a lot of track stars, a lot of cross country players, uh, if that's what you call them here at, at Hillsdale, they, they always are competing. They're always winning a lot, too. Well, a Nebraska teen runner was able to help a competitor finish his race after he collapsed. He gave up his own qualifying hopes. So this kid's name was Brandon Shute. He, he was the kid that, that needed help. And he, he was on... Okay, so Brandon Shute was actually the guy that helped the uh, the young boy. They were running in the race, and the young boy I, I seized up, fell to the ground. He tried to continue. He got back up on his feet, continued down the race, and he ended up falling again on the ground. And Blake 
and, and Blake Cervini is the name of the kid that fell, and Brandon Shute came to his rescue, picked him up, walked hand in hand, waist side by side, and, and brought him along the finish line, even allowed uh, Brandon to pass the finish line before him and helped him to complete his final race in high school. I thought it was a really, really awesome story and also a beautiful image of what Christ does for us. As we're running this race called life, we fall all the time, we, we have issues, and, and we find ourselves on the ground in desperate need of help to finish this long race. And, and just as Brandon was able to come and, and lift Blake up and, and carry him across the finish line. So does Jesus do that for us when we have problems. And I thought that would be some encouragement. And I, I've got another one here. The second one for the day, an anti-cancer drug derived from a Himalayan fungus clears early clinical trials. trials and this was an Oxford study. And the study found that it is 40 times greater potency for killing cancer cells than any other parent compound. This is a, a science achievement, I would suppose, and I thought it would be an awesome one because so many people we know have dealt with cancer and, and continue to battle cancer and to fight it off. And we, we see here now that there is a new drug that has been found that it looks to be 40 times greater potency for killing cancer cells than any parent compound. A huge, huge possible success and, and maybe on the road to finding an ultimate cure for cancer. I wanted to share that with you. And then one more story for today, a good news story. An older man, a, not super old, but a, a man lost his wallet outside of a public grocery store. He searched the area multiple times. He was actually with his mom as well. They, they looked over the security footage and the camera at the store, and they were desperate trying to find his, his wallet. It had his driver's license. It had over $100 in cash. It had other things that he needed in order, his credit cards, all of it, in order to go about his normal day. And they weren't able to find it. But a 15-year-old named Lucas Perry, he found the wallet in the parking lot and it, it clearly had fallen out of this man's this man's pocket, I suppose, Chris Parson. And they decided that this young 15-year-old decided to go with his father, father and his sister. And they drove to the man's house. They delivered the wallet. And the man, his name's Chris, was overwhelmed by this kindness and was shocked that not even a dollar was missing from the wallet. He offered these young kids to, to, to have all of the money. It was over $100 inside the wallet because of their kindness and, and the, their generosity really to return this wallet and go out of their way. And the young kids refused the money and said that it was a gift. And I thought this was beautiful. And it gets even more spectacular. Guess what? So it turns out Chris, the man who lost his wallet, and these kids, they had a lot in common. They both loved rock and roll music. And the young, the young girl ended up playing Chris's guitar while they were at the house. They were singing Beatles songs. They were having a great time. And guess what? Just a week later, Chris invited the dad back over because they had a surround sound system that that no longer that they no longer needed. They had gotten a new one. And Chris called up the father of these kids that found the wallet and said, hey, we've got this surround sound system. We know how much you love music. We'd love to give it to you. And next thing you know, Chris and, and Chris and these kids and the the father are back over at the house the next weekend. 
became a close friendship. And, and we see an amazing story here of goodness and grace and, and an impact that we can have every single day, whether that means finding a wallet and then ending up not only finding a person's wallet, but then making friends with them. I thought this was awesome. I thought it was encouraging. And maybe we can go about today seeing how we can make an impact like these teenagers did and like the other stories that we heard about the teen runner that helped help another runner who fell in and was sick. I thought this would be a lot of encouragement for you today. This is The Ryan Young Show. I'm Ryan Young on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. So I do have a powerful testimony, hopefully, for you today. And it's not one that I'm about to play. It's not any person's that was sent in. And and obviously, I want to be clear here that anyone has the ability to send in their testimony to the show. All you have to use is the Voice Memos app on your phone. And the way you do that is you just open it up and you hit record and you share a story, an impact that God has done in your life, perhaps even a miracle. And it's a, it's a faith builder for us all. We've already gotten now, I think, over 50 different testimonies. And I know I, I thoroughly enjoy them. I've actually been thinking about doing maybe a show or a special place where you can listen to all of them anytime you'd like. Still working on that. But I was reminded over the break by a friend of mine that, you know, that you've heard all of these different testimonies from all of these different people, but you haven't heard mine. And so I'm going to do the best I can to kind of just speak on how I became a Christian, how how my faith journey's been, and what's taken place in my life. And it's going to be difficult for me. I haven't really planned this out, so it's just going to be what the Holy Spirit brings forth within me. And I'm, I'm going to start by just saying a brief prayer uh, to help me try to share this story. Dear God, Lord, I, I pray for everyone listening right now. I pray for all of the people dealing with a lot of hurt, a lot of anxiety and fear that they would continue to put their trust in you. And I pray right now that you would be able to bring forth the testimony that, that you're of your amazing work in my life out to bless others and be an inspiration for them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I think I'd like to start my testimony by, by going to the first revelation in my mind of God's goodness. And this started when I was I think still in kindergarten. And the task was, we went to class and we were told, we were asked, everyone was asked to share their favorite color. And at the time, my favorite color was red. And and we went around and we shared all of our favorite colors. And later that day, as I was driving home, well, I wasn't driving, obviously. I was in the backseat of my car. My mom was driving. And I was just looking around and I was thinking to myself, what must God's favorite color be? And I've I spoke out loud. I told my mom, I said, God's favorite color must be green. And maybe this doesn't sound like a big revelation to you, but at the time it was significant and it made an impact on my mom. She actually still talks about it today because it was the first moment that I connected what was taking place around me in the world to that of God and his goodness and his love. And green being a rebirth, a complete transformation, a growth, and I looked around, I saw the trees, I saw the grass, and I thought that God's favorite color must be green. And I'd say that that was the very beginning beginning of my relationship with Jesus. And I went through a lot of turmoil, a lot of struggles. But the seasons itself was 
a powerful moment for me because I, I saw that just as we're seeing right now, the leaves are changing different colors. The leaves are falling off of the trees. And maybe you, you, you haven't made this, this revelation yet, this comparison, but as a child, I wasn't caught up in everything that was going on in the world. And I just saw the beauty of growth and the beauty of a tree. And I connected it to the majesty and the wonder of God. As the leaves change and they fall, it represents the fall of mankind. And then the snow comes and purifies the land and then the rebirth, the growth. And that is exactly an image uh, of mankind, really, when we fell out of the Garden of Eden, when our sins were washed away through the snow and then the growth and, and, and the, the love of Jesus displayed in the creation all around us. And so that was the very beginning for me. And then I'd say six years later, I was about 12 years old. I was in church and it wasn't planned. I was just sitting in church and they were doing those baptisms that they normally do after a service every couple months. And I was sitting there and the pastor spoke aloud. He said, if there's anyone here that would like to be baptized that wasn't scheduled. I know typically we schedule them here at the church, but if you'd like to be baptized in your Sunday clothes and all, just make your way to the front. And right then at age 12, I, I, I felt the urge within my spirit to get up and to go down. And so I tugged at my mom's arm and I said, mama, I, I really want to go down and get baptized. And I was brought down to the, the front of the church and I jumped into the baptismal pool a little too aggressively. The pastor even made a joke <laughs> because, you know, I, I realized my desperate need for God and I was baptized that day. And it, it was a great moment. It was transforming for me. I recognized how great God is and, and how I wanted to make a relationship with him. But after that point, I didn't live a completely changed life. I never really stayed close to God at all times. I wanted to please God. I, I was desperate to share the message of Jesus. I wore wristbands and t-shirts. I did all of the, the new believer stuff. I, I was on fire for Christ, but there were a lot of tragedies that affected that for me. And I, I quickly fell into many would call a depressive state where I was overwhelmed by the world and anxious. And I wanted really nothing more than, if you can believe this, to die so that I could go to heaven. I was aware that obviously killing oneself will not result in going to heaven, but I didn't want to fall away from God. I didn't want to end up finding myself living a self selfish life, a, a fleshy life, a lustful life. And I was super, super, super afraid that that was going to happen. And really up until the last couple of years, I was always afraid that I would find myself living alone and living for myself and falling away from Jesus and finding myself living in eternal damnation. And I wanted nothing more than to just be spared of this, this miserable life that I was living and, and to make it to heaven so I could ensure that I would in fact be saved. And maybe you can relate to that. And it's not the state or condition that God wants us to be in, but it was a condition that I found myself in a lot through middle school and high school. And I, I went through a tough tough high school and middle school experience and even elementary school. Like I told you, I, I, I understood the love of God, but it was simply a book knowledge. It was simply like, oh yes, I've read the passages. I understand Jesus loves all this stuff, but I didn't walk day by day thinking, what does God want me to do in my life? I was actually somewhat of a crazy child, uh, got in trouble quite a bit in elementary school and middle school. Um, and I didn't live 
for God. I mean, I had a softened spirit at times. I wanted to be kind to those around me. And I found myself quickly in middle school and really in high school, kind of not depressed, but not excited and on fire for God, simply wanting to escape the world and escape the misery that I, that I seem to actually have been inflicting on myself. And I want to share a writing that I wrote because I think this will explain this a little bit better and maybe you'll relate to it. This is what I wrote in my journal at age 17. If I could put words on a page that told you how I truly felt and what I am internally going through, then I might feel relief. If I could be free of the burden weighing my soul down each night as I try to escape the day and enter the dreams for tomorrow, I might feel relief. If I could accurately explain the hurt and deep brokenness within my being and fully release the confusion within me, I might feel relief. Would the relief last? Would it give me the peace that I desire? Would I truly be free from the hurt and broken, brokenness that I'm really unable to explain that seems unjustifiable, strange, and perhaps even selfish? Would I feel relief? I worry, I fear, I dread, I moan, I cry, I wonder. Would I feel relief? Heaven only knows. And that was something I wrote at age 17, and I think it depicts kind of the state of suffering that I was in. I couldn't really explain why I felt the way I did. I, I, I didn't have a justifiable reason. My family was great. I, I was blessed with all sorts of gifts and, and opportunities. I was doing well in my school. I had a couple of great friends. And yet inside, I wanted to escape. I wanted to be free of the burden weighing my soul down every single night. And perhaps the reason why I became filled this way, I need to, to explain a little bit further. And the reason why I became somewhat overwhelmed and anxious and, and depressed was because of the loss of life that I saw taking place around me. In the course of a year, I lost my grandma. I lost my grandpa. I lost a dog. I lost a teacher. I was losing people left and right that I, that I had always thought would be there for me and by my side. And I saw really the fragility of life. I also saw that at any moment I could be left alone in this world and alone being alone physically from other people, but that God would always be there. And that was the part that I was struggling with because I didn't hear his voice clearly clearly in my heart and I didn't feel his presence at all times. And I felt like at times I was actually making it up in my head to try to believe something because I saw the power that he had in my parents and I, I wanted it for myself, but it wasn't there yet. And so I saw that my grandpa passed away, my grandma passed away, my teacher passed away, my dog, and I felt like I was becoming more and more alone. And what I ended up doing was I hardened my heart and I tried to not allow that pain that took place to impact me anymore. And what I did is, as I described earlier in the show, I ended up building a wall around myself to be insulated from pain. And so when, when pain took place, I would kind of push it away in, in, in such a way that, I, that I, I didn't want to have to deal with it any longer or, or really address what I was going through. And for that, it was... A, a painful moment that I was going through. And I'd say that was really what led to the, the, the writing that I wrote where 
I couldn't describe what I was going through on a page. I, I couldn't internally address it, but I knew deep down inside that I wasn't made whole. I was still broken. I was still constricted by hurt and by pain. And I remember specifically the day that I was truly set free of these feelings, of these pain. And it, it actually just took place, I'd say, a year and a half ago. And this was when I realized, really, that either I needed to be close to God, I needed to have him in my life, I need to actually build a relationship with him where I could hear his heart and he could hear mine. I needed that, otherwise I really didn't want to be on this earth any longer. I didn't want to go through this torture any longer. I didn't want to live for myself because at all, at all times I, I was overwhelmed by the hurt that I was inflicting upon myself. And that revelation came when I had the day before said, you know what, I'm just going to live a life by myself. I'm going to buy a mansion and just seek to make as much money as I can. I'm never going to get married. I'm just going to live by myself and I'm just going to fulfill the lusts of my flesh and just do whatever I can to make myself as happy as I can. And that, that was kind of what I proclaimed. I, I became harder, hardened and arrogant and I didn't really want to take con constructive criticism. But my dad saw what was taking place and he spoke truth into me. And he pretty much just called it out. And maybe you would think, and maybe I could have easily thought that he was being harsh, he was being mean. But in reality, it was the very thing that I needed to hear. And he told me that I had become selfish. I had become self-absorbed. I had become arrogant, haughty, and not of Christ. And that I needed to denounce um, the devil that, that, was, that was constantly lying to me. I needed to surrender and, and turn to Jesus. And he was very harsh. He, he was bold like a lion. And he spoke that into me. And at first I reacted very angrily. I went to my room. I ran up to my room, shut the door. And I, I was like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to hear it. And that night I actually ended up writing and, and sitting on, on my knees by my bed and just calling out to God and praying to him and saying, God, I don't want to be this way. I don't want to find myself living alone. I know that I'll never truly be happy until I feel your peace and your love in my life. And that night I found myself weeping by my bed. And I remember it as me actually even engaging in speaking in tongues. And many people maybe know what that is or don't know what that is, but it's where you become overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit within you that he actually brings forth groanings and sounds and noises and really phrases communicating directly to God. And that's what happened to me. I ended up finding myself speaking that way. And I, I, I wasn't creating it. I was just so overwhelmed by the spirit. I was sweating. I was crying on my knees um, with my arms placed on my bed, just calling out to God, asking for him to change my life. And in that moment, I, I believe that was when I was truly set free of this depression and this hurt that I, that I really couldn't explain before. And that night and since that night, I've prayed that God would bring people to my life to confirm God's grace, to, to reveal miracles in my life, and also for me to be able to help those and minister to those that might be dealing with a similar situation where they don't know why they feel the way they do. They're easily overwhelmed and anxious. And when I returned to school, I, I saw time after time after time, confirmation of people that were dealing with hurt. And God was able to, to have me share the very message that my dad had shared to me and that God had spoken to my heart to them around me. And I was able to see God's grace and his love in such amazing ways. And not only that, but God 
right after I, I had proclaimed that I had wanted to be alone, I wanted to live in a mansion, all this crazy stuff all about myself, after I had confessed to Jesus and surrendered my heart, just two weeks later, God brought into my life my girlfriend who continues to inspire and bless me and lead me to Christ as I lead her to Christ. And I have seen this beautiful relationship form and I have seen the wonder and the love of grace. I'm no longer filled with anxiety. I'm not no longer overwhelmed by fear. I no longer worry about everything, but instead I'm able to live day by day by day walking with God. And that doesn't mean that I don't deal with pain. It doesn't mean I don't deal with hurt, but I'm able to be disciplined by God and I'm able to see his love shine forth through me into the lives of others. And I know that at the end of the day, there is no higher calling that I have on this life, but that to share the message of Jesus and to be an inspiration for Christ to others. And no longer am I desiring to make my own self uh, a net worth or a network or anything quite like that. I desire simply to please God and to live a life for God. And that would be the best way I could sum up my testimony and the time allotted. Maybe I'll talk more about it going forward in the show. But hopefully you enjoyed today's show. Reach out to me. My email is ryoung at hillsdale.edu, ryoung at hillsdale.edu. Have a beautiful and a blessed day, and I'll see you Thursday. Thursday.